For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It is week one, and the most important thing to happen this weekend is for all of you to go 1-0 in your fantasy football league. I know. I care about it. That's why on this show, we'll go game by game, matchup by matchup, player by player, and go more in depth than any other fantasy football show out there for the 15 games on Sunday and on Monday. Hayden Winks, are you ready? I better be. I spent uh, the entire week writing uh, this damn column, as always. Uh, I'm leading the league in charts. You know, that's I can say that without uh, any doubt in my mind. We're, I'm leading the league in charts. This is the baseline chart. Vegas projected points, how fast teams are, are running. This is the tiebreaker chart, but we have all the matchup notes uh, to get us through it, too. Yeah, and if you're watching this afterwards, you can find all of that great nerdtastic information in the description down below. We know you just finished your drafts. Right now, many of you are just inputting the lineups that you drafted in the order that you drafted them. But as we go through each one of these games, hopefully you consider maybe some of the players that you drafted later dive into your bench a little bit is something that we say inspires you matchup or player wise. And I, I can't wait to get into it. As you know, we go through the one o'clock, four o'clock and then prime time slates. We made it. Let's do it. We kick it off with the Eagles at the lions on the road. Philadelphia is favored by four points, 48 and a half total in this one. Let's set it up. Hayden winks. This is a huge moment for the Philadelphia Eagles last season. They opened as a pass first team, they went two and five. They flipped the script, finished in the playoffs. And now after trading for AJ Brown, what kind of Eagles team do we expect to see offensively in week one? Like you said, the beginning part of the season is what I think the front office wanted this to do. Very analytical front office. I think when you trade for AJ Brown, you give him the money, you draft Devonta Smith in the first round. You obviously have Dallas Goddard on big contract. This is what you want to do. And I think that Jalen Hurts is going to have some monster, monster games this year. I have him as my quarterback five this week. The Eagles are projected for 26 uh, points this week. That's one of the highest of the week. And obviously, this Lions defense, they're really uh, missing one of their best edge rushers still. Um, they're hopefully going to get Jeff Okuda on a bounce back season with his Achilles injury. But for the most part, this Lions defense isn't very good. And I think this Lions offense might be actually able to kind of keep up here. They have a lot more skill position talent this year than they did last year. There are so many good vibes coming out of Philly right now. It doesn't matter if people just have like small little sources around this organization, bigger ones that hint at it and massive columns, Peter King talking about it. And many are saying that like the confidence that this team as a whole and maybe his one chance as a full-time starting quarterback from start to finish, like there's so much confidence in Jalen Hurts exiting camp in comparison to last year, I mean, Dallas Goddard, even his teammate came out and said like the way he runs it, him going through his reads, his second year in the offense, which I think is the first time this has happened to him in seven plus years dating back to college, that it's going to help him tremendously. As you know, what I care most about is I want to see Jalen Hurts targeting A.J. Brown. I want to see where they attack it and where this friendship can blossom on the field, because obviously in Tennessee, 
A.J. Brown thrived over the middle of the field. 49% of his targets were located there. Maybe they can attack the safeties, the linebacker group, which the Lions might have the worst linebacker group in the league across all 32 teams. However, Jalen Hurts only attacked that area. Again, middle of the field, 0 to 20-plus yards, 23% of the time last year. I think his development that we've seen and just the answer key that A.J. Brown brings to the table is going to open up and unlock this offense. AJ Brown opens up uh, as my wide receiver 12 on the week. He'll be shadowed by Amani Awarie, who was 69th out of 100 uh, nice cornerbacks last year and yards per coverage snap per game. Uh, I was looking at the uh, underdog uh, fantasy pick em, uh projections, and Devonta Smith only projected for 49 and a half yards. So to me, he's more of a wide receiver four. That was a little bit lower than I was hoping. Um, but I think you're going to have A.G. Brown hopefully working over in the middle of the field. And this is the matchup, like you said, to make the most of it. I'm not done talking about A.J. Brown, Hayden, because the people know it. I'm going to break it out here immediately. The Benji of the week. This means he's going for 100 yards in his first. Why not, man? The dude's wearing 11. He's best buddies with the quarterback. This is just the identity and the move that this team had to make probably pass the ball, what, 35 times like we saw in the first seven games last year versus versus 25. And I truly, truly think A.J. Brown is the biggest beneficiary of it and probably ends this week as a top 10 wide receiver. Uh, just really quick hitting on Miles Sanders. I think it's going to be Miles Sanders on the early downs. I think he's going to be the goal line back. Trey Sermon obviously is their power back, but he's still learning the offense. is very good <laughs> yeah, here. Right. Uh, Boston Scott and Kenny Gainwell have been rotating behind him. Uh, this is an eruption chart. This this was looking at uh, EPA on offense and defense, and they're right there at the highest uh, in the league. And I think that Miles Sanders, I'm with my running back 23 uh, in non-PPR, half-PPR sides. I think you can sneak him in as a running back to this week. I mean, you have Jordan Mailata, Landon Dickerson, Jason Kelsey, Isaac Sayumalu, Lane Johnson, some backups in there if you need to. I mean, this is just a dominant group. Yeah. There is not a better matchup, I believe, one through 32 that you could put the Eagles up against. And again, I really like the Lions and especially like their offense. You want to move on over to that yep. section because the Eagles aren't the only team with that showed like two sides of their face last season. The Eagles, or the, the the Lions did as well with Dan Campbell and Ben Johnson taking over the play calling duties. We know that Amon Ross St. Brown absolutely shined in those moments. And again, with another really solid offensive line, this should allow Jared Goff, DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams, Amon Ross St. Brown, and maybe a sprinkle of DJ Chark in there to get us really excited for this game too. Yeah, the Eagles uh, defense, I think some of these metrics I'm showing on the screen here aren't giving full credit to what this Eagles defense could be as well. Obviously, you spend a first round pick on one of the unicorns of the draft, but their secondary right now is loaded. Obviously, Darius Slay, James Raspberry, now they just traded for Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. I think Amon Ross St. Brown has enough volume probably to be a wide receiver three, but this is not the cleanest matchup in the world. I'm very curious to see what his splits are going to look like. Because uh, last year when he broke out, no TJ Hawkins and he's back. No DJ Chark, he's now signed. And even DeAndre Swift was getting all those targets early on in the season. Not the case when he was injured late last year. So this is going to be a kind of a statement game. If Amon Ross St. Brown gets there like 8, 10 targets and goes for 80 yards this game against one of the, I think, one of the better defenses, their second in fantasy points allowed, man, that's going to be great news for Amon Ross St. Brown. I kind of have him as a boom bust wide receiver 2-3 right now. Yeah, the pick em lobby. Has his higher or lower at 60 and a half receiving yards. DJ Chark at just 30 and a half receiving yards. I think DJ Chark might be one of the shocking players this season. Yep. Like just a couple seasons ago in Jacksonville, we saw him go for a thousand yards. I really feel like 
this Lions offensive line gives Jared Goff a chance because as we outlined when we went through what DeAndre Swift did last year and so much of his production came through the receiving game when they're down by 10, 14, 21 points and breaking one tackle and then taking it to the distance, you know, hopefully the Lions and they don't want to be in those same situations over again. They want to be in neutral. They want to be in positive game scripts. In order to get there, it's so clear that they wanted that vertical presence. This is why they signed DJ Chark to a pretty you know, lucrative, what, $10 million this year, $7 yeah. million. Yep. Nice money for a guy who didn't play last season, basically. And then went out and got Jamison Williams for obviously the end of the season and, and towards the future. The questions with Amon Ross St. Brown, it's not the talent. It's not necessarily the usage because they really use him as like a Cooper cup, Robert Woods dynamic, right? Lots of motion, lots of sweeps, lots of getting him up into advantageous matchups. Could the volume be a question, though? Because when he really did break out, it wasn't just the time and play calling, but it's also someone like TJ Hawkinson, who I know we were fading as the tight end seven, but maybe a lot of people out there drafted him like that in their league. Yeah, I mean, if you have Hawkinson this week, you got to feel pretty good about it because uh, two of the top 10 fantasy tight ends are going to be missing this game. Um, I think with going back to the Monroe St. Brown, obviously the target competition is going to affect a Monroe St. Brown negatively, but just pulling the this back up the lions last year they were 29th in neutral pace 28th in neutral pass rate i think part of that is because there just wasn't enough good players and now i think that there's enough good players the offensive line even looks better even though they're missing uh one of their offense one of their starters i think they're going to play a little more pace pass the ball a little bit more and i think the jared goff stuff the on off splits pressure no pressure all of that stuff it's starting to look a little bit better where you might have serviceable play to keep a Ross st brown afloat even if hawkinson swift and all them are playing like like we expect yeah, and all the positivity I just shared about the Lions offense. And look, I've got questions about DeAndre Swift as like a pure between the tackles runner. Maybe it doesn't matter that much. Maybe he just improved in that area. While I said the Eagles offense against the Lions defense was the best matchup of the week, the Eagles defensive line that runs too deep and now brings in, you know, Jordan Davis, who yeah. is truly a one-of-a-kind player that we've never seen enter the league. This is just a small subplot of this. Because Jonathan Gannon, if you look read between the lines of Philadelphia Eagles fans for the first half of the season was just like pure vanilla in his defensive style. And they got attacked for it over and over and over again. And now he has some dudes to run some fun stuff with, right? Like you bring in Hassan Reddick, who can be an edge rusher who can stand up and drop if you want him to. Again, Jordan Davis, if you run these two high shells, is this massive body in the middle with Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave attacking up the middle. And you get James Bradbury for absolutely nothing. Chauncey Garner Johnson, as you said, for absolutely nothing. And now what you, was can that trade really, about? <laughs> you can do some really fun, cool shit now, right. you know? And I'm, I'm a little nervous with my history with Jared Goff that when you do some creative things with him and maybe get some pressured by some of these great pieces. We don't necessarily hit exactly what this offense might be for the rest of the season. So if I was a lions fan, I wouldn't panic after week one Eagles rosters just loaded. I mean, it's loaded. And if, if Jalen hurts plays a top five quarterback level, which is in the range of outcomes, what a season the Eagles could have. Okay. Next up New England Patriots, Miami dolphins. Oh yes. 46 and a half total. The Dolphins are three and a half point favorites here. We got to start there. We got to start in Miami. New wide receiver, new running back, new play caller, new offensive line pieces. Hayden, from your standpoint, when you sit in your lab and do all that nerd shit, how do you handle something like this going to fantasy week one with so many new pieces that's impossible to project? Well, I, I'm going to first look at the split that two has had against Bill Belichick previously. And 
they're not great. He's averaging 152 yards in the three games against Bill Belichick. And then I looked at what Tyreek Hill's done individually, and he had 64 and 62 receiving yards. Those were obviously with Patrick Mahomes in the latest two games here. So there could be a little bit of weather concerns too early in the week to give a crap about that right now. But I just think that's they're going to really condense the field. They're going to play man coverage. They're going to play some cover three, and they're going to try to take away some of these RPO looks. I'm very curious to see what the, the Dolphins are going to be doing when it comes to neutral pass rate and neutral pace. The 49ers are bottom five in those metrics, and that's where this most of this coaching staff comes with. That's going to be the thing I'm looking at. I know that the Patriots are probably going to play slow. They're 27th in neutral pass rate last week, so I have some volume concerns uh, here as well. And I always, I always think that we kind of overlook the the Patriots' defense. Is like, oh, they've lost a lot of pieces. They're always just so damn good. It doesn't yeah. really matter. I think that might be because of Bill Belichick. No, they're really well coached. My fear with the New England Patriots is they might have like a slow defense. You know, they've got thumping linebackers. Their defensive ends aren't the speedsters that we see all over the place. They tried to add some of these pieces in the past. Like Kyle Duggar's a really fun safety linebacker slot hybrid. Obviously, Josh Uche, I know that fan base wants him to play more and more and more. Uh, You mentioned it, though. Like Mike McDaniel spent the last 11 seasons working right next to Kyle Shanahan. What we better not freaking see is on this first series, we better not see an RPO slant to the left at all. Like if we do, I'm going to be irate. I'm going to be so mad at the Dolphins social media team, at everyone who wanted to break groupthink of us not believing in what this Dolphins offense could be. Now, on the other hand, Hayden, I bring up that groupthink term because I think there has been a lot of it, right? Like just naturally, we've knocked down Tyreek Hill and just our season-long projections, maybe for this week too, because he had a season-low, career-low dot last year of, of just 11 yards. You compare that to... Jalen Watto, who was at eight or seven yards. I mean, Tua was 35th in his percent of his attempts that traveled 20 plus yards last season. So like, again, if we can look at the pick and lobby with the great people behind the scenes, the shadowy people who do these projections, I mean, he's at 68 and a half receiving yards. That's like walking in a sleep in Kansas city. You know, Tua was at 230 passing yards. Like again, we don't, necessarily know who the starting corners are at every single spot for the Patriots. And then I just trust, I trust in Mike McDaniel in week one here to get us the numbers that we need for Tyreek Hill, for Tua, for Jalen Waddle, at least here in week one. So I have Tyreek Hill ranked wide receiver 14. I think that's too low or is that, that, does that feel about right? No, that fe- that feels about right. On Sunday, obviously we'll go through all your tiers and, and all your rankings and I'll get a great feel for it. But I, I know that like preseason Maybe some might have pushed him down to like wide receiver 16 or wide receiver 18 from a season long look. But again, you want to show off your new, you want to show off your new toys here in, in week one. And I think they can absolutely do that with Tyree Kill, even if it's not going to be the same, you know, 20 plus yard outside of structure vertical shots. Uh, speaking of new toys, Chase Edmonds, Raheem Mostert. Obviously, we t- uh, get rid of Sony Michelle. To me, it's if Chase Edmonds the goal line back, I'm going to be completely wrong with him on my offseason stuff. If he's not the goal line back, then everyone else is going to be wrong on him. I don't know what it, what it's going to be. I don't know if it's going to be Raheem Mostert. I know Raheem Mostert's healthy. He's going to be the outside, big play hunting, uh, run concept guy. What happens at the two-yard line? I don't know. Neither of them kind of have done this before. So who knows who's going to be? Because it's not Miles Gaskin either. Like that was yeah. always the part of this where Sir Michelle was brought in because he actually had that role in some situations for the Rams when he joined them last season. I'm with you. I do wonder if just not that we overlooked Chase Edmonds, but he didn't have that role in Arizona. 
You know, it was between the 20s and then James Conner came in for inside the 20s. And Raheem Mostert was going to have a massive season with the 49ers last year. But Chase Edmonds was the one that they targeted on day one of free agency. He was the first deal that got done in free agency this past year. Yeah, and I'm looking at like, just like the red zone offense in general. You're trotting out Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, Raheem right. Mostert, Tua. I mean, every single player just gets smaller and smaller. I don't know what they're going to do down there. Right. By the way, I keep bringing it up. If you've never played Pick'em here on Underdog, week one, especially for a team like the Dolphins, to me, is the place you need to look for because there are so many new pieces, so many changes, that if you think you have an advantage, this is the place to do it. And I'm looking right at Mike Gesicki with his lower at 30 and a half receiving yards. Only negatives coming out of this camp. If he plays a single snap and only hits about 10, which I think is the range of outcomes here for this game because he's not that inline tight end that McDaniel and Shanahan and whoever has had in their history Mike Kosicki lower than 30 and a half receiving yards because he's not the slot receiver anymore. He's been purely a wide receiver in his past. Okay. Let's go to the Patriots end offensively. What the hell? I mean, what are we doing here? Where do we even start with this offense? Like, to me, the only intriguing part is, is the rushing game, right? Neither Ramondre Stevenson or Damian Harris were drafted as top 24 running backs. But when people view their lineups heading into this week, how comfortable do you feel starting either one of them? Um, I, I've ranked them both outside the top 20, uh, Ty Montgomery was at least getting in some practice that I think that that's going to determine how confident I am in either one of them. I actually think that the Patriots are going to pass the ball a little bit more than you would expect. Uh, last year, the dolphins were fourth in stacked box rate. Um, and in week one last year, Mac daddy, I mean, he dropped back 39 times the fourth highest, uh, total there and both. And even in the other game, their neutral pass rates were a little bit higher than they were throughout the rest of the season. No Byron Jones, who's going to be their cornerback too uh, uh, this year either for the Dolphins. And I don't know, man. I got the underdog of the week going to the Patriots here. I do not oh. believe that they should be three and a half point dogs here. Um, I think Mac Jones is better than Tua straight up. Uh, I, I like the bully ball versus the speed. And I'm just going to be trusting Bill Belichick, who has basically destroyed both Tyreek Hill and Tua recently. Is it dog? Absolutely. <laughs> to, to, to really just figure this thing out. And I also want to just mention uh, Devontae Parker revenge game without uh, their bigger corner. Uh, so I, I think that Devontae Parker, if you are in a really deep league and you had to find a flex spot, I think he's all right. I am very much team Mac Jones. If you are not team Mac Jones, it means you are lying to yourself after watching him last season. He does some really fun stuff. However, Hayden, this isn't like a clear setup. Like we've had people who covered the Patriots for decades say this is the worst yep. unit, either offensively or defensively, that, that they've seen in two decades. Yeah. And we haven't seen really any answers from it. I'm I am very excited for this backfield because I think both could get 15 touches any given week, 17 touches any given week. If a microcosm of that that I really want to pay attention to and I advise everyone else to do is who is getting the short yardage work because Damian Harris scored what 11 touchdowns last season on 30 carries inside the 10-yard line. Ramondre Stevenson saw about 13 of those last year. Ramondre could get more work in the passing game. We've seen that advocated for by Babelichek and a few others, but it's still an unknown. I do think it's a condensed backfield. I am a little nervous without Josh McDaniels that the bully ball style, especially losing some starting offensive linemen from last season, that getting shuffled around just isn't going to work as well as it did last year. Yeah, I hear that. I just think that's fully priced in. Like the Patriots this, this week are only projected for the 23rd most points. They were top seven last year. You know, like I think yeah. we're like over, we've oversold 
the damn Matt Patricia stuff. You know, like at the end of the day, it's still Bill Belichick and Mac Jones had a hell of a rookie season last year. And they, the, their skill guys are just better this year. Reminder Stevenson should be better uh, with another season under his belt. Devontae Parker's like a true X. They're looking for that. Jacoby Myers better in the slot only role that he's going to be playing in this, this year. And then apparently Nelson Aguilar and Johnny Smith look a little bit better. So it's, it's not going to look like the same. Cause like the, the, the offensive line might not be as good. They got rid of that damn fullback. They're going to, I think spread the ball out a little bit more here. So, um, and super flex, I still have Mac Jones on like the QB two border. Dolphins do have a couple dudes though. Like I'm really excited to see what Jalen Phillips does in year two. Obviously you have Zayvon Howard on the outside. They brought in Melvin Ingram who did some really good work for the chiefs last year. So I don't think it's as, I mean, obviously Brian Flores coached them up um, different coaching staff now, but this might be the time. This might be the time for the dolphins to, to be the bullies of this group. Okay. Next up Ravens, New York jets. Ravens on the road, six and a half point favorites, total of 44 and a half in this game. Obviously, we start in Baltimore here. Even with the questions at running back, Hayden, the Ravens are in so much better of a place to open this season than they were last year. Offensive line health, offensive line depth. Rashad Bateman is in here from game one, and he should be involved from snap number one. So with the Ravens, what are you excited to see? Can we get back? Any of that form that we saw from Lamar Jackson just a couple seasons ago? The first metric I'm going to look at is neutral pass rate. And the Ravens passed the ball more last year because the or the running backs were all devastated. And that's still the case this year. But like you said, the offensive line is, about, uh, is going to be better. Ronnie Staley and Tyler Linderbaum are going to be two of their, maybe their two best offensive linemen uh, this year. And they weren't on this team last season Lamar Jackson should absolutely just shred the Jets I know that they've added a lot of pieces here but man they were still dead last in pass efficiency last year 25th against fantasy quarterbacks so um, obviously you're starting Lamar Jackson Mark Andrews have moved up to the tight end one on the week because the Jets are 30th against the position uh, the Cardinals were first against the position for, for Travis Kelsey and I already had Mark Andrews ranked ahead but I think Rashad Bateman is somebody that you should feel confident starting one of the things I want to point out this year is when wide receivers are playing rookie corners even if the rookie corners are playing well, teams tend to test them, and it makes sense. Like, let's go see if this guy has the skills. Even if he does have the skills, you're still getting the targets. We've seen this for multiple seasons, and Rashad Bateman probably will get a little bit of the rookie corner for the Jets this year. In the pick'em lobby, Rashad Bateman's stat, 48.5 receiving yards. Again, it makes sense based on what this is banked on, which is last season. But again, he was in like take the Cincinnati Bengals game, for example. Like on that opening drive when he scored, I think his only touchdown of his rookie year he had four targets then didn't see another one for the rest of the game like this is their x receiver he can be their slot receiver he can be moved around used in tandem with mark andrews and like you said it doesn't matter if the rookie corner is sauce gardner who was a top 10 selection right like the baltimore ravens are going to attack this it can be outside the numbers it can be levels with mark andrews and and uh rashad bateman over I really like that because I was going to ask him, he, he was drafted, you know, on some platforms around like the wide receiver 30 mark 32. He was higher, obviously, on underdog. We are here to tell people to trust Rashad Bateman, despite his pro football reference page from week one. I must the wide receiver 23. The Ravens are supposed to score the seven the most points on the week. And I mean, unless we're big Mike Davis fans and fool well, me once on that. I mean, go <laughs> ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm staying out of this one. Well, we can't quit it. Let's talk about Mike Davis because I know in some leagues that I help my friends draft uh, on a lot of these platforms, I'm sure many of you did this too. The wide receiver value at the top was extreme. And so if you got one foundation back, one feature back, then you could wait for your running back two spot. 
the J.K. Dobbins news. It's I won't bad. say it too loudly so he doesn't hear me. Uh, it doesn't look great here from week one. So in that backfield, it's Mike Davis, who was brought in pretty early on, Kenyon Drake, and Justice Hill. Um, we could either see J.K. Dobbins be active or just inactive, flat out inactive. My my stance is Mike Davis has something left. I know from a fantasy football standpoint, he did not last year. But if you go back and watch those Falcons games, it was because it was constant contact in the backfield over and over <laughs> oh, and over chat's again. not going to have. No, that. I'm serious, chat. You can get upset with me if you're watching afterwards. You can get upset with me. Leave it in the comments. But so many times he had to force missed tackles in the backfield and then create positive yardage, right? With the Ravens, it's not going to be that way. And he can make the first man miss at the second or the, the third level. I'm in as Mike Davis as a flex play this week. I'm doing it. I have him ranked in the 30s. Uh, I think Mike Davis is going to be early down guy. I think they're going to get Kenyon Drake on there on passing downs. But I think, like you said, Mike Davis is going to be the goal line back. I'm pretty sure of that. Uh, Greg Roman did go with hot hand approach here. Um, so full warning. But yeah, I think if, if he's a wide or a running back three, I think I think he'll be all right. Also intrigued to see what we get from Isaiah Likely. If he's like a 25% snap player, if he's like a 55 percent snap player you know they love three four tight end sets if you include one as a fullback um obviously both he and mark andrews kind of thrive in the same areas but those can be your top three pass catchers in that grouping okay on the jets end not going to call it a revenge game because they paid him a boatload of money they won the super bowl together but we get joe flacco back let's tell the people they might see joe flacco and get nervous about their elijah moore shares elijah moore was outstanding outstanding last season when with non Zach Wilson quarterbacks, correct? He was, he averaged two half PPR points per target from quarterbacks, not named Zach Wilson. When it was coming from Zach Wilson, it dropped a 0.9. So he basically doubled it. Um, I think the big reason why that happened was Zach Wilson's a big play hunter and his ADOT uh, uh, to Elijah Moore was way higher than it was when he had somebody like Mike White or Joe Flacco, who's going to distribute the ball. So I think Elijah Moore's target share, all that stuff is rock solid. I do think we need to point out, because I think a lot of people, there's lots and lots of Garrett Wilson's fans out there. This is not the week to do it. If you looked at the preseason, it was always Corey Davis as the second outside receiver because he's big and strong and he's a veteran and he's highly paid. Garrett Wilson is none of those. Uh, Garrett Wilson is probably going to be the number four uh, Braxton Berrios in the slot. But to me, there's one starter uh, in this offense this week and it's Elijah Mitchell or Elijah Moore. I'm as my wide receiver 29. Yeah, I like that. I could see him finishing higher than that, even again, attached to Joe Flacco. Now, we don't have Makai Becton and Dwayne Brown, who they signed to play one of those tackle spots, has also missed two straight practices. So we don't know if he's going to be starting in this game. The Ravens only have two edge rushers. They also have a new defensive coordinator here, but they've got bodies. And not just injuries hit them offensively last year. Injuries oh, decimated yeah. their defensive back group last year, too. So we're going to get Marlon Humphrey. We're going to get Marcus Peters. They add in Marcus Williams, who is a roaming safety in the back half. You bring in Kyle Hamilton, who can be that kind of safety, chess piece, big slot, whatever you want to do with him. This is a really interesting and athletic Ravens defensive side. I do wonder if they're going to confuse the Jets patchwork offensive line in spots too. I'm all in on Elijah Moore, but the rest of the pieces, and maybe we should talk about here, the Brees Hall and Michael Carter dynamic. Because again, I know that they were 100 spots different in your fantasy draft. Hey, and I have to see it to believe it with the Brees Hall usage. I can't play him here in week one. 
Uh, I'm not playing Brees Hall. I have him ranked 34th. I have Michael Carter actually ahead of him. Everything from the preseason, the current beat reporters, the unofficial uh, depth chart is all Michael Carter's the 1A. We'll see Brees Hall plenty. I think Brees Hall even could be the goal line back here. But the bottom line is the Jets are projected for 18 points this week. Yeah. Dicey. Okay. Next up, let's keep it rolling because we go to the San Francisco 49ers. At the Chicago Bears, 49ers, six and a half point favorites on the road. A teeny tiny total for week one of 41 points. Boom, it's Trey Lance time. Now, with that said, that is Trey Lance time. Is it telling that Vegas only expects the 49ers to score a middle of the pack number, a middle of the pack team total against arguably the worst team in the league? Just 23 and three quarters points the 49ers are expected to put up this weekend. Yeah, and Trey Lance specifically, his over under is only at 12 and a half. So it's it's not a it's not a team that's supposed to have a lot of uh passing stats. I was looking at some of uh the projections for Debo Samuel and uh Brandon Ayuk, and it's like we're talking about the like over under. 50. So it's it's just one of these things where I think it's going to be an offensive line that is not very good outside of obviously Trent Williams. Uh, this Bears defense loses Khalil, Khalil Mack, but still should be an average defense. Uh, and they're only projected for, like you said, uh, 24 or fewer points this week. So Trey Lance, I, I have him like right on the QB 1-2 border, um, but going on the road and all all indications with that are, are trending towards George Kittle not being active for this week. So I think it's going to be a very run heavy game plan. Maybe one of the run heaviest game plans we'll see of all of week one. Yeah. So George Kittle is absolutely questionable for this game. Let's lay this out. Okay. Debo Samuel, you drafted as either your wide receiver one or wide receiver two in your fantasy game in your fantasy league. So let me pull up the pick em lobby and show you what our projections say of four and a half receptions, 55 and a half receiving yards, and just a higher or lower of 11 and a half fantasy points. That's not too kind. Again, what should be one of the best matchups with the Chicago bears who don't even want to win this season. Yeah. Like they didn't try to reload for this year to keep competitive. They just want to get to 2023 with a nice salary cap. So then they can build a roster that they want to. The one I'm always intrigued by is brain. because my point when talking about Trey Lance has always been that it's not this condensed middle of field passes that we've seen from Jimmy G in the past. Now with Trey Lance, it's 10 plus yards outside the numbers and down the field. I mean, Ayuk had 10 more targets than Debo did in that area last year. And if we exclude those first seven games when he was in the doghouse for Kyle Shanahan last year, which again, find one negative report of Brandon Ayuk this summer in training camp, you cannot do it. We're going to get from day one, the man who finished, you know, among Mike William, Mike Evans and, and Tyree kill in the final 10 games of last season. Brent Ayuk, again, if you look at the projections from last year and do them to this year, I wouldn't be surprised if we see one, two, three big plays on a weekly basis from him. Yeah, but even his projection is is very it's low, tiny. Too, you know. So I, I I have Debo Samuel not ranked inside my top twenty wide receivers this week, and wow. um, like you said, it's the targets over the middle, and this is going to be a weekly uh, column out there uh, on, on on Underdog Network. If you scroll over to the right, it's targets near the sideline, and Debo Samuel was the lowest over there. All of his targets last year were over the middle, and that's where Jimmy G throws it. And like you said, Trey Lance is probably going to be a little more blind on that part of the field, and that's the exact opposite 
with Brandon Ayuk. So I think, like you guys were saying in the offseason, they should be drafted closer and closer together. And the Debo Samuel in the second round stuff, I'm fearing for that, especially when mm. I saw the week one projection here. Now, with some incentives in his contract, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Debo Samuel still getting manufactured touches near the goal line. We've even seen that from Ayuk during his rookie season. Uh, the interior offensive line for the 49ers has been a mess this entire offseason. Right tackle, depending on injuries to Mike McGlinchey, can be a huge question mark as well. We know they have the best left tackle in the league in Trent Williams. This all leads me to get into the running back position, right? Because I think there's going to be a few markers that immediately from, I don't know, the first half or the first quarter that we're going to say, oh man, we were way too low on this player in drafts this summer. And when you look at Elijah Mitchell as running back 23, that could easily be the flag plant. <laughs> it's, a, it's Elijah Mitchell season. Like if, if we're not going to, if I'm going to be against uh, Debo and I'm uh, definitely hesitant with Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle's gone and they're still projected for 24 points. And there was a, a very funny video on Twitter today of the 49ers practice and all the other running backs are playing special teams. And there's a part of, practice where they're practicing special teams and then it's just elijah mitchell hanging out by himself because he's the only running back that's not uh participating uh on special teams uh last year after the post by rookie bump he played 11 games he averaged 14.3 half ppr points per game it's time if they're not going to pass the ball with trey lance they they're going to be running plays vegas thinks they're going to be scoring points here who's going to be uh doing that it's going to be elijah mitchell I'm with you. That was Hayden Benji of the week. Mine was obviously AJ Brown. I love it. Like Jeff Wilson's going to play a role. I think Ty Davis price either could be an active or play a role in week one. It's going to be our one year anniversary of the Trey Sermon, uh, an active list, by the way, that's going to be a fun one. Um, no, but Elijah Mitchell is the dude. I really think until he shows something that he's not the dude, we should believe he is. And again, after a quarter, after a half, maybe we all regret, well, not us, not me and you, but the outside world regrets not taking advantage of where his ADP dipped to last year. And I'm just excited to see Trey Lance with this offseason and not just in spot starts last oh, yeah. year against the Cardinals and the Houston Texans. We overanalyze all this for fantasy. Trey Lance is like one of the biggest storylines in football this year. Like Huge. the 49ers roster is completely stacked. Uh, I will note that uh, Jimmy Ward's out. J uh, Jason Brett is out on the opposite side of the ball for the 49ers. Well, yep. let's flip over to that 49ers defense and then the Bears offense because I don't want to read too much into what we've seen during game plans for preseason games. But with a totally new staff, Matt Eberflus, who's obviously the defensive mind, who obviously built his defense in Indianapolis based on turnovers. Uh, offensively, it's Luke Getzies, right? Yep. And what he did this preseason with Justin Fields is moving pockets, lots of motion, easier completions, using that athleticism. If that's a little portion that we saw in the preseason, hey, and that gives us a lot of hope that, hey, it's not going to be this stagnant, basic, vanilla drop back passing game that frustrated us last year with Fields. The problem is that Vegas still thinks they're going to score the fewest points this week. So I had to move Justin Fields down to 21st. And I think the, the big issue here is even though the secondary is missing a couple starters, man, this front seven in the 49ers just doesn't give up. And uh, I think Fred Warner's definitely going to be uh, spying Justin Fields at time, maybe uh, limiting his rushing uh, uh abilities and then at the same time both offenses probably gonna be very slow we know the 49ers would be maybe the slowest team 
in the league really melt out that clock with that run first game plan. So not expecting a whole bunch from Justin Fields. If we just get play action concepts, pre-snap motion, uh, seven step drops and, and deep passes down the field. And even if every single one of them goes incomplete, I'll view that as a win. I have very, very, very low expectations. I have like Darnell Mooney as like the, the wide receiver 29, somewhere in that kind of way. It's too high for me. Like I understand volume is going to be the thing, but what I always come back to with drafting these players on bad teams is that when teams win, they score more points than their opponents. When teams lose, they score fewer points than their opponents and fewer (laughs) points on the scoreboard means fewer fantasy points on our fantasy. This is why they pay you the big bucks. (laughs) Uh, Look, it might sound simple, but draft good players on good teams and see profit. Uh, Darno Mooney on this team, is going to see volume. And I think a lot of it that can be easy are these, you know, crossing routes, these mesh patterns, these moving pockets and boom, get the ball in his hands. But man, I am terrified of like this rookie left tackle. Who's a fifth round pick. Some of these backups that have now been starting in the interior and at right tackle spots against a two deep 49ers defensive line with linebackers that can fly and bait the quarterback as well. It's really scary to me to, to dive into the David Montgomery's and the Darnell Mooney's here in week one. I would feel better with David Montgomery just because I feel pretty confident he's going to be their passing down back. I mean, even in the preseason, he handled 20 of the 22 first team snaps. Uh, I, I like Khalil Herbert, but I think Khalil Herbert is a backup. He's not going to be a threat in the passing downs. And if you just looked from week 10 on last year, he had the most high value touches per game. Those are carries inside the goal line and targets on in pa- passing situations. David Montgomery is the ugliest running back to this week by if you had to, I would still start him. There's been some mentions from beat writers too, that maybe Khalil Herbert gets more involved, but then by it. preseason usage, it was all David Montgomery. It's going to be a, we'll see a, we'll see here in week one. And man, Cole Komet might see like a ludicrous amount of targets, but I'm not in. Okay. Before we move on, you've made it here for 35 minutes with us. Check out our Sunday, two shows, three shows on Sunday. First, At around 10 a.m. to 10.30, we're going to go through Hayden's rankings and tiers. Boom. That's a delivered one. Then, right after that, starting at 10.30 a.m. Eastern, we are taking your voicemails. The link is in the description down below that you can send in right now for your start sets, for your trades, for whatever roster decisions you have. What could go wrong? (laughs) What could go wrong? We're going to go for like an hour, hour and a half, basically taking you up to kickoff for that start set show. And then on Sunday night, it's myself, it's Hayden, it's John Daigle at around 7.30 Eastern, going game by game, recapping it through a fantasy lens of what just happened and what you might have missed to help you moving forward. Sundays are going to be loaded, but I'm super pumped for it. Okay. Steelers, Bengals. Bengals, six and a half point favorites here at home. Total of 44 and a half. So the Bengals last year, Joe Burrow was insane. Horrible offensive line. Horrible offensive line hopefully now goes to average to above average, maybe even good. Does that change Zach Taylor's approach last season, which wavered between run first and trusting Joe Burrow's knee and the offensive line and then pass first. However, I'm not done here, Hayden, because also this team lived on the explosives on the single high coverage that we saw against Jamar Chase and T Higgins and hitting those shots. And don't we expect defenses to play this a bit differently this year? 
Yeah, so I think there's a lot of things going on with the Bengals. Obviously, they're not going to have as many explosive plays. You're going to see too much, uh, too high shells against them more often, similar like we had with the Chiefs last year, but at the same exact time, I think you can expect them to pass the ball just with more volume in general. They had three average to above average starters at center, right guard, and right tackle. I will note that last year, I think just because the Steelers are so aggressive, their pass rush is so good. Uh, Joe Burrow had his lowest and third lowest pass attempt games uh, of the season. Obviously, we're all expecting the Bengals to beat the Steelers here. So I have Joe Burrow middle of the pack, quarterback eight here. I think that uh, if, he, if he stays upright against this uh, front seven for the Steelers, I think that would be the big win here. Yeah, I'm with you. I do think they're going to have to attack these two high shells a, a bit more often. And I mean, when you consider that Joe Burrow, what he had to deal with last year, seven sacks in the Super Bowl, nine sacks in the game against the Tennessee Titans, that was a win. Six sacks against the Chargers, four other games of five sacks. Just what is he going to look like? A superhero when he doesn't right. have to deal with pressure? I understand quarterback sacks can be associated with the quarterback. Not his, though. Not his. I've, <laughs> not I've watched many of his. Not, not many his. of his. I'm, I trust, obviously, and you're going to start Jamar Chase no matter what, to not rely on these ridiculous and he was what third or fourth in the league last year in 20 plus yard targets but by far the most in 20 plus yard catches i love t higgins on those backside digs on the undercutting stuff the inside breaking routes and then maybe the most intriguing name hayden if we're going to see these safeties play off and have one fewer name in the box tyler boyd and in the pick'em lobby at 40 and a half higher or lower for his receiving yards that is spicy for week one he was the wide receiver 41 per game last year, and that's with T. Higgins and Jamar Chase balling out and staying healthy the whole season, and we were frustrated with the neutral pass rates. If there's an injury or if it's the two high shells or they just pass more because Joe Burrow is healthier and the offensive line's better, Tyler Boyd has a chance to be a flex play, especially in full PPR. I think there's a reason why we were all over him uh, in these best ball streets. Do we need to talk anything about the running backs? Because, again, if more teams are going to play it safer, two high shells, Joe Mixon was awesome last season even without all of the passing down roles he could be even better with an improved offensive line and fewer eight-man boxes touchdown favorite last two games against the Steelers 28 and 18 carries uh he can lead the league in touchdowns this week yeah and look this Bengals offensive line is going to be tested by what the Steelers put out there you know TJ Watts one of the best players in the league regardless of position they have Minka Fitzpatrick who does some really interesting exciting things in the back half too um i'm just really really pumped to see what a great offensive line can do for the Bengals offense and then we have to jump over to the steelers offense which is very very opposite <laughs> talk about the offensive line i mean it feels like they've been a little bit of a mess here in the preseason especially when mitch and kenny pickett trotted out there but where our eyes immediately focus is deontay johnson new contract out there in all two wide receiver sets then you bring in George Pickens to play on the outside, Chase Claypool to play in the slot. We expect them to really live in 11 personnel. Can all three of these guys get home in the current state of the Steelers offense? No, the uh, the Steelers only projected for 19 points. That's bottom seven on the week. Um, we have some Deontay Johnson injury concerns. We'll learn more later in the week. If he is in, I don't think you can start George Pickens or Chase Claypool uh, until we see who's going to be in two wide receiver sets. I think it's going to be George Pickens, but that easily could be Chase Claypool, even though he's going to be the slot receiver. If Deontay Johnson's out now, we're getting into the flex range. So that's why we have these shows on Sunday morning. Uh, but in general, they're only projected for uh, 19 points. And I mean, quietly, like we always talk about the Bengals offense. I mean, 
they only averaged 21 points allowed uh, from week 10, which was their bye week, all the way through the NFL playoffs. They weren't giving up too many damn points. It's a very well-coached uh, defense, and they didn't lose that many players on the back end there. So I think the Bengals' defense is uh, pretty underrated in general. Yeah, like you ask about superstars, maybe Jesse Bates is the closest one to it, but Trey Hendrickson, relentless rusher, does some really great stuff on the edge. What they did with Sam Hubbard when they did the drop eight against yep. and the quarterback spy against Patrick Mahomes, that was a fun watch, especially if we see a Matt Canada offense that tries to move the pocket with a bunch of motion, things that he's kept in his back pocket for two years with Pat with Ben Roethlisberger at quarterback. And then, at, I mean, at corner, man, They've just thrown in Chidobe Wouzier and Eli Apple and like a mishmash. It works. The coaching must be exquisite oh, from yeah. the Bengals oh, yeah. on that side of the ball. Okay. Next up, Cleveland Browns, Carolina Panthers. Oh, goodness gracious. 41 and a half total here. Baker Mayfield's Carolina Panthers are two and a half point favorites here. Which side do you want to start on? Would you rather start on the Panthers or the Panthers. Browns side? Panther side. Panthers. Okay. My question is, is it just going to be mashed 20 times? You know, it's been McAdoo as a play caller. They've tried to you know, fix this offensive line. We'll get into that in a moment. But what I see over and over again is Baker wanting to get the football out because when he's pressured, he tries to turn into a hero, he tries to put the team on his back, and that fails. And where DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson can be at their best is the, I don't know, five to 12 yard range in the short and intermediate areas over the middle of the field, catching it and running it. Like you said, though, doesn't this all start with if, if he's going to be able to block miles Garrett and the boys, you know, I mean like looking at DJ Moore, the Browns uh, last year gave up the eighth fewest uh, amount of fantasy points to wide receivers. Obviously DJ Moore gets Denzel Ward. I think DJ Moore has definitely earned the right to be an every week wide receiver too, but this is not, the cleanest matchup and their Vegas isn't projecting the, the Panthers to score that many points, only no. 22 uh, of them. This could be a slow paced game. Potentially. I'm very curious to see what uh, Ben McAdoo, if, if the fast paced offenses that he had with the giants carry over here, or if this is going to be not an offense where they want to be playing fast with Baker Mayfield, more of a structured type of player. So i um, very curious to see to me. It's so obvious. Christian McCaffrey's the RB one of the week. Uh, he has a highest projection in the pick'em lobby. And then DJ Moore, you know that you're starting him because you spend a third or fourth round pick on him. And then we'll see if Baker Mayfield has uh, a little more feel um, in this offense than he did in, in the previous one. This is how Sunday can turn into a nightmare, okay? Jacoby Brissett-led Cleveland Browns team beats the Carolina Panthers, and Christian <laughs> McCaffrey gets hurt, and everyone who's been fading him in your home leagues and being yeah. like, I'm telling you, he's going to get yeah. injured, yeah. he gets injured. You know, this is a nightmare scenario for Sunday. I will say, with your CMC love, while Icky Aquanu versus Miles Garrett and anyone versus Miles Garrett is a it's disadvantage tough. on offense, Icky's had some really rough one-on-one -on -one pass sets this this offseason so far. Taylor Moten, the right side, fantastic. I think Brady Christensen at left guard can be pretty fun. But Icky, this is a tough draw for your first one. And I think they're just going to try. Like, if we look back in week two and said who had the quickest time to throw in the league, I bet Baker Mayfield's among the top five. Yeah. You know, they're going to try to get the ball out as soon as possible. About the Browns, their defensive tackle group, they will only get guys who are athletic and get up the field. So if the Panthers in a Matt rule fever dream want to be a bruising bully rushing attack here in week one, that wouldn't shock me either because our Jordan Elliott, Taven, Brian, 
Tommy Togiai and Perrin Winfrey, the four defensive tackles you have to worry about stopping your running game up the middle. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Christian McCaffrey and co with Deontay Foreman, Chuba Hubbard rack up 35 carries this game. This game's horrendous. It's so ugly. (laughs) (laughs) But you are starting Baker Mayfield and you are starting Christian McCaffrey. Okay. Let's jump to the Browns. DJ Moore. DJ Moore. Did I say DJ Moore? I meant to say DJ Moore, not Baker Mayfield. Okay. Let's jump to the Browns. Um, Because the big question, not just for this week, but for the first 11 games, is who can be successful with Jacoby Brissett, right? It's three pieces that we care about. It's the running backs, namely Nick Chubb. It's Amari Cooper and David Njoku. So answer that question for all of us, Hayden. Is this the week where we can immediately rely on Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt or Amari Cooper and or David Njoku? Well, they're only projected for 20 points, and we'll talk about the Panthers' defense in a second because, to me, they're low-key loaded. They might be the most underrated defense in the league. Uh, Nick Chubb, I looked back. Uh, they played five healthy games together, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Inside the five-yard line goal, or basically goal line opportunities, Nick Chubb six, Kareem Hunt five. That's going to be something we need Nick Chubb to get all of those, or it's going to be tough sledding uh, for Nick Chubb. Amari Cooper... Uh, his matchup is not great. You know the corners better than I do, but I think it's one of the most underrated cornerback groups in particular. I think Amari Cooper is like a boom bust, like wide receiver three flex play, but I think I just want to hand it over to you. Like, tell, Sell me on this Panthers defense, man. I was looking. They got studs everywhere. Do, am I wrong? No, they do, and they really started last. Remember early on with Phil Snow being a really fun unit, but then they just were unable to, to stop the run. And that crippled them. They also had injuries in like J.C. Horn. Remember they traded for Stephon yeah. Gilmore and he didn't play for a few weeks. They traded for C.J. Henderson. I mean, there are three corners. You get back J.C. Horn. C.J. Henderson's nasty. had a great camp. You bring back Dante Jackson. That's a fun group. Jeremy Chen is a versatile safety slash linebacker slash whatever you want to do with him. Shaq Thompson has just returned to practice. You bring in Corey Littleton, who's an athletic linebacker. Frankie Louvu, who can attack from multiple angles and might be the second edge rusher, too, to go along with Brian Burns. Derek Brown might have taken a jump. The Cleveland Browns offensive line is really damn good, though. So what they're going to need to do is extended plays against Jacoby Brissett, who can have some athletic moments when he's moving forward but when he's moving laterally brian burns can chase him down frankie Lou. it's like your dance moves he, yes exactly <laughs> not the warm like john daigle though we see him no. bust about 15 minutes after dinner yeah. um this has to be a tone setting performance from both the panthers offense and the panthers defense because it really sets up beautifully for that and i really am worried like from the jump unless something goes horribly wrong I bet 10 out of the first, I don't know, 15 plays or runs for the Browns to see if like, hey, can Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt just set the tone for us? Can they just do it? Because that's where their explosive come from, man. Like Nick Chubb is one of the explosive players in the league, not wide receiver at running back. And this is where their 20 plus yard, you know, scores, runs, plays originate from. And uh, that's where the Panthers were really unsuccessful last year is when teams knew that they could run on them is to stop them on third and fourth down. Yeah, last note for the Browns, their centers on IR just happened in the preseason, and Jack Conklin's coming back from an injury. It sounds like he's going to play, but we got to make sure of that, too. Are you starting Amari Cooper? We're not starting Amari Cooper this week. I, think I have him in the wide receiver 30s. Some leagues you have to. Ugh, that's gross. Saints at the Falcons. This one is not gross. Five and a half point favorites. The Saints are on the road, a total of 42 and a half. And let's start there in New Orleans. One of the greatest coaches of the last decade is gone in Sean Payton. And yet the Saints felt that they remained good enough to compete in this window. They brought in 
Chris Olave. They brought in Jarvis Landry. They retooled, reloaded, and here they are. Granted, the play caller has basically been there for over a decade, so yes. he knows what he's getting. <laughs> the big question, though, is what are we getting from the play caller? Because for Jameis Winston last year, in the opening four games, he averaged about 21, 22 passing attempts. And then in his final two before injury, it was 30 passing attempts and 35. I lean towards the latter, Hayden. I think they're going to yeah. allow Jameis to be Jameis and live and die by the sword. Yeah, I think I think that they should just because the Falcons defense is truly pathetic. Even th- this this week, no Deion Jones, no slot corner Isaiah Oliver, no Marlon Davidson. That's a defensive tackle as well. I think that when you add the wide receivers and you get Michael Thomas back and Alvin Kamara is out there and healthy, like you should be passing the ball, you know? So the only thing I've concerned with this is the left tackle play, but really they'll figure it out. The Saints offensive line has never been an issue and the rest, the rest of the offensive line is very good. So I think that Jameis Winston's like a mid range quarterback too, if you're in a super flex league, but for the most part, the only debate here is how confident are you in Michael Thomas? Cause you're obviously starting Alvin Kamara as a top 10 running back. Michael Thomas, I have him as like wide receiver 30, he gets AJ Terrell and AJ Terrell led the entire league in coverage yards uh, per target uh, last year. I mean, a dominant cornerback dog. out there, absolute dog, but he's by himself out there, even though he was the best corner in the league, arguably in some of these advanced metrics, uh, they still gave up the, the eighth most wide receiver points uh, in the league. So I, I'm starting to believe that Michael Thomas is nearly fully ready to go. And I'm treating him as like a wide receiver three. Even when Jameis was only allowed to attempt those 21 or 22 passes, he still had those chicken with your head cut off moments of like one or two per game. And we love it. Spin around and throw it up and it was incomplete and all that type of stuff. And it's not just Michael Thomas, man. Like, let's say he does draw isolated coverage against AJ Terrell. And I, people know it. We talked about with Matt Harmon. He has a marketing problem. He's not just slant boy. He's more than that. Chris Olave is the name to really keep in mind. Like one of these rookie wide receivers this week is going to sprout up. And maybe it's the guy we're about to talk about on the Falcons end, but Olave is such a veteran. He can make big plays down the field already. He can create in the short to intermediate area already. So I'm not worried about the saints offense to go along with the four gr- good offensive line that they have along with Alvin Kamara, who, you know, was going in round three at some points going in round two at some points. I feel really, really good, even on the road, that the Saints really handle their business this week. Yeah, so do I. I think with Olave, I want to see if he's going to be a two-wide receiver set starter, if that's going to be Jarvis Landry or Chris Olave, if he can handle press man coverage at the NFL level. It's kind of a smaller-ish player. And is he going to be consistent enough? I view him as more of like a deep threat uh, type of player, not a volume hog, especially with Kamara and Michael Thomas. So I'm leaving on the bench this week, but I, I get it. He is an intriguing player, maybe a post-by rookie bump candidate. Okay, let's jump on over to the Falcons and actually Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston face each other in their first game as starters ever. That was the Bucks and the Titans. Marcus is running these RPOs all over the place and looking excellent. And now they're back again as refound full-time starters. Uh, dare I say for a team projected for just four and a half wins a season, they created a good amount of optimism this preseason, Hayden, like in terms of both Marcus looking good, Desmond Ritter looking good, Cal Pitts winning down the field and being put in advantageous situations. The one person we didn't see outside of that 23 yard catch was Drake London. And it sounds like he's been limited all week heading into this contest. Limited on track to play. I'm wait. I'm hoping we get a full uh, practice in on Friday. If so, I would feel good about him as a wide receiver three 
tough individual matchup going against Marshawn Lattimore uh, in your first start. Um, but they're going to be trailing here most likely. They're, they're five and a half point uh, home dogs here. And I think he's really good. You know, at yeah. the end of the day, I think Kyle Pitts and Drakeland are very good. And I think Marcus Mariota can do just enough. He had a pretty solid uh, preseason. The offensive line is a disaster. We know the Saints always get after it. Very aggressive, man-heavy defense. Uh, but I think that Drake London has enough skills to to make it into your flex spot, especially if he gets that full-time practice in tomorrow. Let's talk about Kyle Pitts. We did it a lot this summer. He was going in that round three territory. He might be like the skeleton key among the entire fantasy football season. Like if he's just outstanding, then boom, you've hit a home run. And the only way for him to be outstanding is to score touchdowns. I mean, the yardage hit last year, the receptions really hit for the position last year. He just scored one touchdown versus the expected six or seven that your spreadsheets said he should. So if we look at the pick and lobby, 59 and a half receiving yards, higher or lower. I think that too often we saw him against cornerbacks last time, last season. We need to see like a, not a Cooper Cup-esque role, but put him in advantageous situations. Put him against linebackers and safeties and force those matchups because he's the type that can either win big or win small, win down the field or win short. I know in a lot of what I'll be doing this weekend, we'll be hitting that higher on Kyle Pitts on 59 and a half receiving yards. Yeah, I'm with you. On the surface, it seems like this would be a tough matchup, but they just traded Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, uh, who I think would have been and lost Marcus Pitts. Williams. Yep, and uh, Paulson Adiba, who's their cornerback too. He's questionable. He didn't practice um, on Wednesday. Most importantly, Kyle Pitts, seventh best in yards per out run versus man coverage, not at tight end. Wide receivers and tight ends. He led the position in that metric, and of course, the Saints played man coverage at the second highest rate. So I think it's actually a pretty rock-solid matchup for Kyle Pitts. I'm with you. Duh, start Kyle Pitts. Okay, here we go. DFS. Two more games. Let's let's close it out in the one o'clock window. The Colts at the Texans. Seven point favorites the Colts are on the road. Total of 46 in this game. Uh, simply the difference that Matt Ryan makes for this team, I think is going to be felt from the first snap, both from the trust of the play caller and Frank Reich, but also like what it might open up for, for the offense. You know, like last year, Jonathan Taylor was the key to all their explosive plays. Like Michael Pittman was great, but the explosive all came from, from JT. That could happen again, but we also might see more creative usage with Naeem Hines. We also might see a second wide receiver break out in the second half of this game or the second half of the season in Alec Pierce. I'm just excited to see, again, what Frank Reich is allowed to do now with Matt Ryan versus Carson Wentz. There was that boring tier of like low end quarterback twos. I think that Matt Ryan has the best case to be the best of them this week, just because the team total is so high. And I think a lot of the reasons, like you said, are specifically good for this match at the Texans last year. They were very zone heavy. They were number six in zone rate four man pass rush. They're not going to be bringing the house. None of that stuff. Just sit back. He's going to have a good offensive line for the first time in a while. Yep. Uh, last year, the Falcons had the highest blown block rates on passing snaps per SIS. So I think you're going to sit back and just throw the ball to Michael Pittman, who's going to be getting Derek Stingley. But like we said, is a rookie cornerback. Even if we are excited about Derek Stingley long term, they get targeted uh, a ton. Um, I think a little last note, Paris Campbell versus Alec Pierce, who's going to be in two wide receiver sets. But that's way down the order. It's it's Jonathan Taylor as the RB1 or RB2, depending on the league settings. And Michael Pittman, I think, is a top 10 wide receiver this week. They're projected to score almost 27 points this week. It's going to somebody. I think it's going to be Michael Pittman. 
Yeah, people focus obviously a lot on rookies in fantasy leagues. I think Alec Pierce was overlooked throughout this process because beat writers there say like, hey, red zone, more targets. We know what Paris Campbell is. Alec Pierce as a post by rookie bump candidate yep. could be a legitimate thing. Uh, I, I also want to see it, not necessarily to believe it because I think he's talented, but see it for usage wise for Naeem Hines. Like what is the difference going to be? Could this even be in Naeem Hines game when they're expected to yeah, dominate their not. opponents? You know, because if you look at archetypes, working from behind makes more sense with him. But we could also see them be super creative. And one of the reasons why they are up on the scoreboard is because of the stuff that they have done with Naeem Hines to get up there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I have him as the running back 40. Um, I think I, I want it to be at home and the point spread is, is nothing. Yeah. And like that's the Naeem Hines game. Yeah, I like that. Okay. Houston Texans end. There's one name and one name that we care about the most. It's all about Damian Pierce, baby. Are we trusting his talent immediately to win out in a game where his team is seven-point underdogs? Because it depends on when people drafted, right? If they draft in the last two weeks, they had to take him as like the running back 23 in order to get him on their roster. If you drafted four weeks ago, you're able to get him as like the running back 35. Regardless of where you selected him in your fantasy draft, can you trust him? In a game script environment, in a game flow environment where they should be, according to Vegas, trailing the entire contest. Yeah, I have him more as an RB3, not an RB2. Obviously, the Colts defense going over a complete overhaul, going from uh, the two high shell to Gus Bradley, who's definitely a single high uh, cover three type of guy. But because their front seven is the way it is and they're stacked, uh, it sounds like uh, Shaq is back and practicing. Um, they were fifth against fantasy running backs last year. The Texans are only projected to score 19 points. So I think Damian Pierce, um, if you put him on your bench and he has a good game, awesome. I'm in particular looking to see who's playing on passing downs. I think it's going to be Rex Burkhead. I think that's going to keep the Damian Pierce hype in control, probably on that RB2-3 border. And if you didn't get Damian Pierce in your fantasy league, there are six projections in the Pick'em Lobby six of them all the way from his receptions total to two to his rushing attempts at 12 and a half to just his rushing yards at 47 and a half. So go and attack that if you want to not to put you into a corner here, Hayden, but do you know who the new DC is of the Indianapolis Colts? Gus, it's Gus Bradley, uh, single high coverage, some big plays on the outside. Should we get a, maybe a Brandon cooks game? Could we get, uh, My second one, I'm doing a running back and a wide receiver one this year. I'm doing more Benjis of the week. And Brandon Cooks, like you said, is mine. It's not even just a single high coverage stuff. Stephon Gilmore, who I think is pretty good, but he's almost 32 years old. That's who's going to be on Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks was awesome last year. And there are also some splits here, some quiet little splits I found with left tackle Laramie Tunsil for the Texans. In the five games that he was out there healthy to start the season, uh, Brandon Cooks had 20 more yards per game in those games. Larry Metunzel led all left tackles in blown block rate. He was even better than Trent Williams in that stat. He's one of the best offensive tackles in the league. Throw in the, the first round left guard there, and all of a sudden this offensive line might not be a complete abomination here. So if we're expecting the Colts to be leading, then here comes Brandon Cooks, and it's the perfect type of uh, defensive shell to get Brandon Cooks 100 yards. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if your waiver wire show with Sosa has Nico Collins on the list because obviously he was drafted in best ball, but many leagues out there not. And he and Pep Hamilton obviously have a history during his time with Michigan, and he's a big boy that gets down the field and win yep. 
wins uh, in a lot of contact too. I'm a huge fan of what Nico Collins can do. Okay, one more in this one o'clock window. We close it out with the Jacksonville Jaguars and the still awkward to say Washington Commanders. I am way more excited to talk about Jaguars, even though that they, I believe, are two and a half point road underdogs in this game, a 43 and a half total. Um, Where do we want to start here? I think the running back position, because it's basically Travis Etienne's rookie season. Uh, I didn't draft a lot of Travis Etienne, just to be honest with people who was too rich for my blood where he was going in these drafts. What's the role that you expect for him here in week one? Because it hasn't been mixed messages, but people just view him that he's going to get every single passing down snap and every single third down. And I don't think that's going to be the case. Yeah, it's really going to be dependent on how ready James Robinson is. We know he's going to be active, but there's a pretty big scale of how active you are. Is Snoop Connor going to get some of that run? Who's going to get the goal line opportunity? Travis Etienne, this is why we were out on him, is a complete wild card RB2. I liked that wild card draft pick in round five, not as much in round three. We'll see what happens here. I will note, uh, offenses playing Washington last year chose to pass the ball in neutral situations at the third highest rate. And I think that with Doug Peterson, I think they're going to try to pass the ball all over the yard here. Um, The offensive line might be a little bit better here. No chase young for Washington and Washington defense, man, they were just so bad last year. They, they had way more talent than how, uh, good they actually performed. What, what you got for me? Yeah, the, the biggest thing in Washington's defense, remember like the first half of last season, they literally could not get off the third field down. on third downs. And yeah. it was third and longs. It was third yeah. and 17s, third and 11. For some reason, it was just miscommunications. It was awful. Jack Del Rio, they since have fired their defensive line coach and Sam, Sam Mills Jr. And like that's still a weird thing. Heard some awkward stories about that. Um, Chase Young is still out of this contest. Yeah. I mean, the name, if we talk about like explosive that they allow last season that could hit this week is Christian Kirk, man. Like Christian Kirk is a vertical slot. I know that so many people focus on what he got paid, but Trevor is going to be aggressive from start to finish. If they're ahead, if they're behind and Christian Kirk is the player that has the best chance of hitting a 50 yard touchdown in this game on both sides, I think. Yeah, I have him as the wide receiver 30. Washington was 28th against fantasy receivers last year. So I think that if you're doing sit starts, I would call him a start, not a sit. Okay. What about on Washington's end? Because while Carson Wentz is Carson Wentz, he's better than Taylor Heineke. And what stands out to me most is now Terry McLaurin is not going to have production, fancy points erased on those throws outside the numbers and down the field like we pointed out all summer long. Obviously, you're starting Terry McLaurin. Let's also talk about this running back situation, right? Because Antonio Gibson had the starting job. He lost it, ripped away from him, whatever. Now he has it back. Can you immediately trust him in your starting lineup? I was peeking around other people's projections, and they are way more optimistic than I was. I have him as the RB21. I read a couple things that Jonathan Williams might actually get a, uh, some run here as well. That wouldn't be like, shocking based on like fumbles. Like a big and, guy. Especially if Antonio Gibson... If he lost trust with this team, how has he gained it back? Yeah. And then the thought of him losing another fumble will certainly keep Ron Rivera up at night. And Jonathan Williams has better ball security in their eyes. That seems to be priority number one for them at that position right now. Yeah. So like right now, like running back 17 to about 30 is about all the same to me. And we just have to get the usage right um, after this week. Um Antonio Gibson's in that mix. Like you said, I was kind of surprised to see that Washington was 
um, as big of, of favorites. Um, so I still rocked with a, a running back 21 for Antonio Gibson. J.D. McKissick, not really sold. This isn't the game script to be playing him. I don't think Carson Wentz is the right guy for him in the first place. Um, Jahan Dotson, I'm pretty sure he's going to be out there in two wide receiver sets, but I think you're getting a little bit too cute here. Uh, Jacksonville's defense added a couple pieces quietly. I don't think they're going to be the league's worst defense um, like you can make the case for like they were last year. Is it dog? Absolutely. Trayvon Walker, defensive rookie of the year, starts this week. The man is long. The man is athletic. We know the trebuchet. When he gets back there, plants his feet, he doesn't want to move. And Trayvon Walker is going to open this weekend as two sacks in the column and the underdog of the week winning on the road, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Okay, 4 o'clock slate time. Before we get there, all of you, if you're new here, so many of you, I love the chat. It's like a roulette wheel at the moment, just spinning, 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 helping each other out, help us out, hit subscribe, hit that thumbs up button as well. Again, we all just want you to win your fantasy football league each and every week. We have so much content throughout the week to help you do that. And be sure to come back here on Sunday morning for our last minute starts and sits. Here we go. Back to some good games. The Kansas City Chiefs at the Arizona Cardinals chiefs on the road, six point favorites total of 53 and a half. We have some late arriving Cardinals news as we'll get to in a moment. Let's start on the chiefs end. The player that defense is focused on the most for this offense is now gone right in, in Tyree kill. So not only have the chiefs really reset their identity offensively, which I think they've shown in this preseason in multiple ways. It's also how defenses are going to game plan against them. So we're going to find out how, the Cardinals defense reacts series to series, how their opponents in week two, week three, week four react. All I can say is it's a pity. It's a shame. It's a dunce cap for all of you that allowed Patrick Mahomes to stay on the board to the quarterback four or quarterback five in all these leagues because he's about to shred in week one. Yeah, it's the re- it really is the perfect matchup for him. He's my quarterback one on the week. The Chiefs are projected for the most points all the way up to close to 30 of them. To me, it's like just looking at the type of defense of the Cardinals run and where the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes are the best. It's the perfect matchup for him. Arizona played in a too high shell at the sixth lowest rate. They also blitzed at the fourth highest rate per sports info solutions. The success rate for Patrick Mahomes against those third best in the league, second best in the league. Uh, throw in the Car- Cardinals cornerback two. Uh, he's not going to be playing. He had like a cooking scare and burned yep. himself. Uh, he's out of there. And this is a team that plays a lot of man defense. It's going to be a lot of Juju Smith. It's might be enough of Marquise Valdez-Cantling to get them in there, but Juju Smith-Schuster was nearly uh, my Benji of the week. I think that everything about this matchup is perfect for Juju Smith. Yeah, the Pick'em Geeks have no idea how to distribute these 299.5 passing yards from Patrick Mahomes. They're giving 47.5 to Juju, 76 to Travis Kelsey, 46 to MVS, 38 to Miko Hardman, even 20 yards to Sky Moore. I've seen this ever since I post about MVS on Twitter on a weekly basis. It feels like (laughs) you get the reply guys being like, well, he didn't do anything with Aaron Rodgers. How is he going to do anything with Patrick Mahomes? Well, for example, this team lost their best deep target last season in Tyreek Hill on extended plays. Who else on the roster is built to win vertically either on extended plays or design plays to against single high or to break that too high shell. MVS is the only one. 
And if you've paid attention at all to where and the usage of MVS during the preseason, it's in two wide receiver looks. Fantastic because the Chiefs are about to run more you know, heavy personnel than they ever have in the past with tight ends or even fullbacks. We've seen fullbacks out of them. But also, it's the intermediate game that we've seen from MVS. It's comebacks. It's inside breaking routes. It's stuff over the middle of the field. Like, that's fantastic. That's opportunity. That's going to be efficiency. I know it's a leap to go out there and say, hey, in week one, go and start MVS when, again, in the lobby, it's a projection of 46 and a half receiving yards. I'm all in on MVS, not just this week and moving forward. And I think more people will join me on that. Patrick Mahomes said it himself. He said, it's, quote, not going to be just Tyreek and Travis. It's going to come from everywhere. You're going to have to choose the right guy every single week for the same reasons. I think MVS, if you are in like a 14-team league and you have to get uh, a flex play, I think that he would make some sense. He's like the wide receiver 40s for me. Uh, this could be a Juju Smith-Schuster statement game as well. I, I can really see uh, Juju Smith really starting to turn into like an every single week uh, wide receiver too. I have him inside my top 20. Okay, let's talk about this running back situation, too, in Kansas City. They kept all four. CEH, Jarek, Ronald Jones, Isaiah Pacheco. The Chiefs led the league in yards before contact per carry last season, and they were last in yards after contact last season. Uh, This offensive line, great pass pro, great run blockers. We now have CEH not having surgery in the offseason to remove his gallbladder. Um, You and I... We're aboard the CEH train this offseason to draft him. He might be in the flex position, the running back two position for people out there. It's a pretty good spot to be in against the Arizona Cardinals who have some confusion at linebacker with young players and maybe J.J. Watt being dealing with COVID all week long. I can see Ronald Jones being uh, a healthy and active uh, here. Um, and I think it's just going to be Clyde Edwards-Alaire as the goal line back. That's what he subbed in. There was a, a play on the fit, uh, five-yard line, and that's where Clyde Edwards-Alaire came back in. I think he's going to be the goal line back. Jarek McKinnon will be there on passing downs. It won't be a, a, probably a bell cow situation for CEH, but if you are the goal line back and your team is projected for the most points in the week, it's hard to go too wrong there. I have him as my running back 24. Yeah, I'm I'm really feeling Clyde Edwards-Alaire until he proves us wrong, you know? Yep. And... It's the offense in totality. Again, we might have some fullback stuff. They create yards before contact at best for their running backs. And I understand he's not a big back, but between the tackles is where Edwards Hilaire is, is doing his best work. Okay. Las Vegas Raiders. Oh, no. We didn't talk about the Cardinals into this. That's my fault. Should we, we talk to? about the Cardinals? Let's <laughs> yes, do it. We do. Let's lead with the big news on, on Arizona's end. And that is today that... Rondale Moore is getting a MRI on a hamstring strain all off season. I've been wanting to see it with Rondale Moore in this vertical slot, Christian Kirk role. We did not see it in the preseason because the Cardinals do not play their starters in preseason games. If there was ever a moment for Rondale Moore to have the opportunity to be a legitimate wide receiver, it was this week with no Deandre Hopkins for six games with no Antoine Wesley. Who's out on injured reserve. They were going to have to probably shift Hollywood Brown to the outside along with A.J. Green. So now what do we do, Hayden? Is it just going to be 20 targets in the direction for Marquise Brown and (laughs) wheels up? Let's go. Well, also, Zach Ertz has a calf injury, and it sounds exactly. like he might not even play either. So the ball's got to go somewhere. You know, if they're chasing, we're, we're expecting uh, Mahomes to go nuts here. 
they're obviously going to be throwing the ball. I have Marquise Brown inside my top 10 fantasy receivers. I don't care where you drafted him even last weekend. He's a, he's a wide receiver one this week. There's they got to throw the ball somewhere. And the chiefs were uh, 22nd against fantasy wide receivers uh, last week. The individual matchup for Marquise Brown's rock solid um, as well. So this is a week for James Connor. His receiving projections probably look pretty damn good. We don't know who's going to be complimenting him. I don't think there's anybody else on this roster. That's as good as chase Edmonds in that exact role. Chase, uh, uh, James Conner, his even his receiving metrics last year were pretty good on a, a per snap basis, per target basis. Caught thirty seven and thirty two last season, right? So I have James Conner projected very well um, as well. But the story is, it's Marquise Brown here. Yeah, thirty seven of thirty nine last season. Um, just like when I tout MVS, when we've touted James Conner, we get a lot of blowback for it because there's this like perceived opinion on him that he's either going to get hurt that or he sucks, not that good. Uh, he scores a lot of touchdowns. That helps. And if he doesn't score as many touchdowns as he did last season, he's going to have a different role than he did, right? One, when Chase Edmonds missed games in those six last year, you saw James Conner have four contests of the running back seven or better. That's pretty dang good, right? It wasn't just the inside the 20s work that he was brought in last year to do. It was also between the 20s. That means more receiving work. That means more rushing opportunity as well and if you follow the money james connor is now what a top eight paid back in the league top oh, 10 yeah. paid back in the league and while some people get excited about eno benjamin or daryl williams or whatever there was no coinciding move that you can say oh they're going to split it the exact same way that they did with chase edmonds and james connor this year they're not going to they're not going to james connor should be locked into your starting lineup this week even if they are seven and a half point home underdogs here RB8, uh, it sounds like Rodney Hudson is going to be back. He was not fully healthy Huge. last year either. Huge. Okay, now we can move on. Just don't get hurt, James Conner. Las Vegas Raiders, Los Angeles Chargers. Good pace here, Hayden. 52 total in this one. Big boy total of 52. Three and a half point favorites the Chargers are at home. I don't want to start with defense, but like both these teams have two great pairs of edge rushers. You know? Anyways, let's start at the Chargers end. Because what is the difference in this team versus the one that lost in week 18 to the same Raiders program that kept them out of the playoffs. You have JC Jackson who was out. Uh, they could not stop the run. Josh Jacobs ran it down their throat. That's the big one. Knock them out. So now you bring in Sebastian Joseph, Joseph day. You bring in Khalil Mack lead us off here with the chargers. Yeah, it starts with the front seven uh, for the Chargers. And I think it's going to give a, the Raiders actually a lot of problems here. I was looking at just the experience, like not even just talk about are they good or not. We're talking about day three players or undrafted players and one year, zero years, a career backup for four out of the five spots on the Raiders offensive line. You get to go against Khalil Mack and then Joey Bosa. Uh, good luck. Um, I, it's not a great matchup. Obviously, Derwin James uh, versus Darren Waller, uh, Derwin James held Darren Waller the last two games that they played against each other. Um, but at the end of the day, it's going to be lots of quick hitting passes on the Raiders side just because of this pass rush. It should be really lethal for the Chargers. I'm expecting all of their run metrics and all basically all the defensive metrics just in general to really take a, a leap up. So I'm expecting a lot of Derek Carr quick hitting passes, some stuff uh, to Hunter Renfro underneath, maybe some screens like we saw with the Packers for Devontae Adam. They need to get rid of the ball fast because these guys are going to be coming. Yeah, the big difference, and I, I really like Josh McDaniels. We talk about it all the time. 
But the biggest difference with a Josh McDaniels offense and like where Devontae Adams is coming out of Green Bay was the difference in screens, right? Like I think Devontae had 32 last year for the Packers. I think Kendrick Bourne led the Patriots with just nine last season. As you outlined, Colton Miller is a good left tackle. But outside of that, it's like John Simpson, Andre James, Jermaine Luminor at right tackle. So it's going to be like Joey Bosa, Cleo Mack versus these guys. And with them preventing big plays down the field, which is what this defense is built to do, just having sturdy, consistent defensive linemen to stuff the run and prevent them from what happened against the Browns last year, what happened against the Raiders to be to be big. And obviously they'll get J.C. Jackson back at some point. Look, the the most important thing, though, when the Raiders and why I'm higher on them and namely Derek Carr, maybe not for this game, but just in generally, is the red zone touchdowns, right? Like, He's going to eclipse 30 touchdowns this year because they've been anywhere from the 22nd to 29th best red zone offense in terms of converting those drives into touchdowns the past few years. And Josh McDaniels, with what he had last year in New England, was like seventh. Like just the plays. Hopefully they just get those opportunities here in week one. Yeah, I'm expecting just the Chargers to to make a statement. With Do him. not play Josh Jacobs. I understand what he did last year against his Chargers team. Do Hayden, would it shock you here in week one if Zamir White has more carries than Josh Jacobs? That would be that would be pretty surprising. Okay, I wouldn't be shocked by it. Yeah, I have Josh Jacobs as the running back twenty five. Um, I might need to bump that down a little bit, but I think Zamir White's that's here. Flex for the, territory. Yeah, that's flex. That's flex territory. Ooh. Okay, let's have fun. Let's talk about the Chargers offense. We know you're starting Mike Williams. We know you're starting Keenan Allen. We know that you're starting Austin Eckler too. But while the Chargers offense and defense have changed a little bit. Really what needs to hold up well is their left tackle spot because he's going to be isolated because their right tackle is a weakness and you have two great defensive ends that you're going to face off against in Max Crosby and Chandler Jones. So Rashawn Slater, who was an all pro during his first year, is going to be the key for me for the Chargers to attack more down the field. And that's something that we really didn't see them do enough when Justin Herbert was 21st last year in air yards per attempt. Well, if this game is going to be decided if Rayshon Slater has a good game or not, I feel very good about the damn Chargers. Uh, they're an eruption spot per my chart. The Raiders secondary um, is still not very good. Obviously, they changed what the scheme's going to look like in general here, but I mean, it's it's Justin Herbert. Yeah, it's time to go. Josh Palmer time. No, not. I mean, how how many how many leagues are are we are, are how many players are in these leagues? Are we talking about sixteen team leagues? We're not How about like Josh just Palmer. over 30 and a half receiving yards for Josh Palmer? Like knock, knock yourself out. I'm excited for him to play in three wide receiver sets over and over again. Donald Parham is out of this game. So it's just Gerald Everett as the That's the end, name basically. we need to talk about. Oh, okay. So you don't want to talk about Josh Palmer, but you're going to talk about the tight end 18 and Gerald Everett? I'm going to play a game. Pick your favorites. So we have a, a top eight and Zach Ertz and George Kittle are, are gone. Which one do you like? Who are you going to be starting here? Gerald okay. Everett's looking pretty damn appealing uh, with with the Chargers projected for let's what, do a heads up. Points. Let's do a heads up. Okay, you have uh, this isn't good. I mean, I'm I'm way down the list here. Gerald Everett versus Zach Ertz slash Trey McBride. I'll take the Cardinals tight ends over Gerald Everett. Oh, you got it. Let's do it. Okay, <laughs> love it. All right. So we've cleared up the Chargers. <laughs> I also want to figure out what the Chargers like if it's Sony Michelle or Joshua Kelly and like. Really, the reason that obviously Austin Eckler played so many snaps was because, again, when they were blitzed so much, they only trusted him than pass pro. 
Maybe they figured that out. Packers at Vikings. Packers are one and a half point favorites here on the road. Total of 47. Uh, let's talk about Green Bay because I want to know, going back to one conversation, what their red zone game plan is going to be. I mean, 73.6 of Packers touchdowns last season, Hayden, were passing. 73.6%. That's the third highest mark in the league. So without Devontae Adams, without MVS, who combined for 49 red zone targets last season, is simply running the ball more in high-value touch areas the easiest pathway for you know both Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon to pay off in 2022? Yeah, I think it's going to be one of the most running back-focused offenses in the league. And I think it's kind of telling that the Packers are only projected to score 24 points this week at home against a defense that's what middle of the pack i would say with the vikings so i think the the category that's going to drop is the neutral pass rate it could be one of the one of the lower in the league and that's why i have aaron Rodgers even at home two-time mvp back-to-back seasons only as a quarterback 14 um we got to play this game about the wide receivers man al mazard's not going to be playing sammy Watkins has 82 plus yards in all of the week one games last three seasons it. it Romeo Dubs, Sammy Watkins, Christian Watkins. Watson. You're going to go. It's tough I, out there. No, I I can't do it. Like, I can't do it with any of them. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a 35-40 carry split between Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. If we see truly a Aaron Jones passing game usage here with a bunch of jet sweeps, a bunch of motion from him with A.J. Dillon in pure backfield situations. We've even seen in a very small sample, A.J. Dillon be really adequate as a receiving back too. So it's the key for the running backs for me. I know that means that Aaron has to be extremely patient. He doesn't have that one wide receiver who's the best in the league for him to lock on to. But this is one of those scenarios. And I know it's week one and we don't know how this offense is going to look that with all these injuries we're already having early with suspensions early on, AJ Dillon, the flex. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. I have him as a running back 20. I'm in. Yep. I, I moved Aaron Jones down to the running back 14. Um, the big thing is the goal line opportunities here in their final seven games when both of them were active last year. This includes the playoff games. Inside the five-yard line touches, Dillon had 11 of them. Aaron Jones had one. If that holds up, Aaron Jones is going to have to have like 80 catches to be an RB1 yeah. this this year. I think, like you said, it's going to be pretty even split. Um, that's what their scrimmage looked like. Um, and I think that A.J. Dillon's very good at the game. So I think that both of them are going to be top 20-ish backs. And that might be uh, at the expense of Aaron Jones not being like a top 8, top 10 back, but more of like that running back 1-2 border. Yeah, again, let me repeat that 74% of the Packers' touchdowns last season were passing scores. That could drop down to, I don't know, 65% this year with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon hitting their marks because of that touchdown upside. And the Vikings have gotten better defensively. They were miserable last year. You know, they brought in Jordan Hicks to run next to Eric Kendricks. They brought in Zadarius Smith to be the pass rusher opposite Danelle Hunter. They brought in Dalvin Tomlinson and Harrison Phillips there in the interior of that defensive tackle spot. Um it's spicy. Okay. So what about the Vikings offense? Because again, this is Kevin O'Connell. I want to bring up, bring up this note. Cause I don't know if you and I have talked about this. We had Charles Robinson on the program this summer. And with this, like Aaron Donald, Sean McVay, both hinting at retirement, Charles Robinson, speaking of hinting suggested that if McVay were to exit, 
the person he would nominate for being the head coach of the LA Rams was going to be Kevin O'Connell. And we get that here. You know, do we see a Sean McVay, Todd Gurley, Kevin O'Connell to Dalvin Cook type dynamic? What is the Justin Jefferson usage a la Cooper Cup going to be like in this offense that might be Rams focused? More neutral pace, more neutral pass rate. They were 17th and 26, 16th and 26 in those two categories. Meanwhile, the Rams were top 12 in each one of those categories in the last two seasons. So just more passing volume in general. Uh, Kirk Cousins of note, uh, he's kind of lit up the Packers. Uh, he had 343 passing yards, three touchdowns, and a 34 to 31, 31 win last year. But at the same time, this Packers defense is really good. Like this could be one of the best uh, defenses in the entire league and yep. Vegas only projects the the Vikings to score just under 23 points. That's middle of the road. So uh, I think Kirk Cousins will have better games. Um, I think this could be a slower pace game for the Packers side. And then Kirk Cousins kind of exits as like uh, a mid range quarterback too. Yeah. You're starting Justin Jefferson. I'm not saying anything new to you, but again, I, I'm going to be really focused in trying to figure out if the role is going to be different for him. Like he's even said that he is playing where Cooper Cup did last year. And the difference in that is Justin Jefferson spent just 25% of his snaps in the slot last year. Compare that to Cooper Cup, who was at 64% of his slot rate. Justin Jefferson's A dot was at 12.3 yards. He actually tied for the most regular season 20 plus targets last season in 39. Compare that to Cooper Cup, who was at 8.4 yards. We've seen Cooper Cup, despite being a wide receiver, create really nice mismatches because of stacking, because of motion because of bunches against linebackers and safeties, if we just get easier receptions for Justin Jefferson, dude. Yep. Dude. Now, and, tough defense to do it against, like you just said, with the Packers. Yeah, but Jair Alexander doesn't like travel with them, so like right. I think that Jair might be one one of the two best corners in the entire league. You also get Rasul Douglas, and there's yeah, they got some know, guys. Eric Stokes. There's some really, really good pieces. Savage. Um, Adam Thielen, wide receiver 13 per game last year. Obviously, like major touchdown regression. I say this every single year with him, and he proves me wrong. I have him ranked as the wide receiver 31, not the greatest matchup for him either. Obviously um, he, in the last three games with Justin Jefferson against these Packers, he has averaged 73 yards. Um, and for all the age concerns and all the health concerns, I think that we save those for October, November, December. I think this is a week to get Adam Thielen in, into your flex. Last four o'clock game. We go on over to the New York giants against the Tennessee Titans. Titans are five and a half point favorites here at home. A total of 43 and a half. What a weird game this is for week one, Hayden. Uh, all I care about in the Giants end, it's the Kadarius Tony and Saquon Barkley show. Uh, we don't know how many snaps Kenny Galladay is going to play. Uh, Sterling Shepard might have already supplanted him as an outside wide receiver. I think people are getting a little bit too excited about a pure slot receiver in Wanda Robinson. Definitely. Um, it's exciting, but it's a slot receiver purely. So hopefully we get Tony, who is electric outside against these Titans corners, which might be easily gotten. And then Saquon, we know Dayball and Mike Kafka, who I actually believe is calling the plays, right? Yes. Um, have built offenses around their best individual talent, and undoubtedly that's Saquon Barkley. Yeah, um, this week, offenses facing the Titans last year passed the ball in neutral situations at the second highest rate. I think that's not even a negative for Saquon Barkley because he's going to be catching so many damn passes. I think that yep. is a feather in the hat. For uh, for Kadarius Tony, uh, like you said, the corner is not very good. Titans gave up the second most points to fantasy wide receivers last year. Here's what I think is going to happen with the wide receiver group because now we got four of them. Sterling Shepard's going to play. I'm not sure if Sterling Shepard's going to have 
a full complement of snaps in this game. But I do think when he does come in there, it's going to be at the expense of Wandale Robinson, who is the slot receiver, and Sterling Shepard's played in the slot plenty, and Kenny Galladay, because Kenny Galladay just seems washed up to me at this point. If Kadarius Tony is as good as we think he is, he's not going to be affected by this four wide receiver rotation. I have uh, Kadarius Tony as like a, the wide receiver 39, somewhere in that. Uh, but there's a chance that next week I refresh these things and he's like in the wide receiver 20s because uh, that's the kind of upside we have with Kadarius. I just wish he was a little healthier. Seems like he's going to be a limited player every single practice. Yeah. Jordan Ronan did post some things to Instagram, though, some one-handed catches of, of Kadarius Tony. I am excited. Uh, the Titans' defense did get a little bit weaker without Harold Landry. They took over some of those games last year with like, oh yeah, so Danuka Autry and then they had Jeffrey Simmons and obviously you had Brad Dupree. Like some really they took fun, over the, the the Bengals game. The Bengals game, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what was it like nine, seven sacks or whatever it yeah. was? Damn. Um, so we'll see. I mean, the Giant like Evan Neal has looked good. They've got new pieces along the interior, but we know Daniel Jones just has blinders on when pressure hits. Okay, let's talk about the Titans' offense. We know it's Derrick Henry focused. What he did in the first, what, 12 games of last season was absolutely incredible. Focus for me is who's going to be trotting out there in wide receivers. Like Robert Woods is going to be a full-time player. We've heard a lot of slot receiver Kyle Phillips and how much opportunity has Traylon Burks earned here in week one. Do we have a glimmer of hope for him in standard season-long leagues? Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't start him in week one. I, I ranked tw- uh, 60 wide receivers. I did not include Traylon Burks. I have Robert Woods in there. I think it's going to be Nick Westbrook, Akine uh, in two wide receiver sets to start. But I think Traylon Burks is going to play at the expense of uh, Nick Westbrook uh, with Kyle Phillips playing in the slot. So there's just not enough passing volume here. Um, this is a, a fat Derrick Henry game. The Giants last year were dead last in rushing efficiency. We know what the Titans want to do. Um, all the offensive line concerns, the longevity concerns, any of that stuff, Derrick Henry in week one, you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. He's like as elite as it gets. Yep. Okay. There we go. Primetime games. And before we get there, thank you to the people who are here. Reminder, keep with us on Sunday, two shows, 10 a.m., tiers and rankings from Hayden. 10.30, your call-ins, and most importantly, your voicemails. You get to skip the line. That link in the description down below, 90 seconds. You can record on your phone, on your computer, whatever, and we will play it and answer your questions live leading up until kickoff. Here we go. Bucks at Cowboys. Same two teams faced last year, I believe, in the opening contest. Yep. This year, Bucks are two and a half point favorites on the road, a total of 51. Uh, we need to start on the Buccaneers offensive side because there's been a lot of changes, right? not just with the offensive line after losing Ryan Jensen and then even the backup center. And now we get Robert Hainsey starting. Um, it's also, you bring in Julio Jones, you bring in Russell Gage, you lose Robert Gronkowski. sounds like Chris Godwin is most likely not going to play in this contest, but who knows, right? So you're starting Mike Evans because every time he's played without Chris Godwin with Tom Brady, he scored a touchdown. But are you sprinkling a little bit of any of these other pieces in the passing game? Yeah, I think so. Both of these teams are going to play with elite pace. They were first and second in that court category last year. Teams playing the Cowboys tried to pass the ball in neutral situations. And I think these corners aren't very good. Trayvon Diggs was the worst in yards per coverage snap uh, against wide receivers last year. He creates interceptions, but he gives up a lot of yards. That's for Mike Evans. Um, but it sounds like Julio Jones and Russell Gage are both going to be out there. And I really don't even trust the other corners there. They were giving up the 22nd most fantasy points um, 
last year. So I think it's a good matchup for all of them. Uh, Julio Jones and Russell Gage clearly on the flex radar, but if you are in a deep enough league, I think that you can get away with starting either one of them. Yeah, look, Michael Parsons is awesome. Uh, he's purely going to be like utilized as a pass rusher more and more often this year after Randy Gregory was lost. I'm really just intrigued by what the geeks and the pick'em side have put out for these wide receivers. And right now they just have Mike Evans up here at 73 and a half receiving yards as a higher or lower. I'm with you. What we've seen from Julio Jones is positive reports coming out of camp. We've also seen him switch from 85 to six. You know, that means business. I already took him as a season long player prop over like 525 yards as well. I really think Julio without Rob Gronkowski and how they attack the seams and especially in that red zone work, like someone's going to get that. I drafted Russell Gage a lot earlier this summer. Then the price moved up. We were drafting Julio when he was a free agent. There's going to be one player from that duo that makes it on a per week basis. And I think we're going to learn a lot of just how much Julio has left in the tank. You think a good amount or this priority signing that Russell Gage was if they implement him despite the lost time during training camp. Yeah. And I still think they're going to take their time with Chris Godwin. He's been practicing uh, here and there. I still think just what's, what's the point of rushing him back in September. Um, So we'll follow that storyline, but I think that Julio and and Russell are going to at least to have a chance to prove themselves who deserves to be in the three wide receiver sets when Chris Godwin eventually comes back. And there's been a lot of talk and I just did it about the, the bucks offensive line. I do want to bring up that Tom Brady led the league last year in 20 plus yard passing attempts, but he also had the second shortest, second quickest time to throw. So he was still hyper aggressive while getting the football out quickly. So it wasn't these delayed three and a half seconds, four and a half seconds. So I think the offensive line is still in a territory for him to still attack those same areas of the field. Do you agree? That stat is why he's the greatest quarterback ever. Throwing the ball downfield, which we know is advantageous, and doing it immediately, just knowing where the coverage are and just trusting your guys, and that's why Mike Evans is going to go, I think, pretty crazy this week. Okay, let's talk about the Cowboys because I don't want to look too much at week one of 2021. If you do remember back to this contest last year, um, they just abandoned the run because they could not block Vita Vea. And what have we seen over the last couple weeks was Tyron Smith going down after using a first round pick and Tyler Smith, who's going to play guard. Now you probably have to shift him out over to tackle, move a backup into a starting role, yada, yada, yada over again. I am terrified that even healthy Zeke is going to get absolutely mushed here in week one because of his bucks defense. The offense's pressure rate climbs from 29% all the way to 35% without Tyron Smith and uh, Dak Prescott's yards per attempt is 1.1 yards lower. Obviously uh, no Michael Gallup, most likely I know he's getting closer and closer, but there's no need to rush it with him either. CD lamb and Dalton Schultz. I mean, they're going to get targets like all day long. They're probably going to be trailing. Uh, and like you said, no team faces more pass attempts than the Buccaneers in neutral situations, because no one even tries to run the ball against Vita Vea. Even these NFL coaches aren't that crazy. So CeeDee Lamb, Dalton Schultz, you got to jam him in there. Uh, I don't want to do with Dak Prescott as much. I have him. Where do I have him ranked? Quarterback 11, which is like right on the border. I think it's going to be a lot of garbage time. Uh, the offensive line concerns are oh, got me a little spooked. Todd Bowles is going to take advantage of that all over oh, yeah. the place. I know I've brought up the pick em lobby multiple times here in this last hour and a half. If you made it this long, I'm about to bring up the one that I have my eye on the most from this weekend, 
36 and a half passing attempts for Dak Prescott go higher. When you look at last season, when the Cowboys were trailing in week one against this team, when they abandoned the run because they cannot move Vita Vea, he had 58 passing attempts <laughs> against the Bucks last season. 36 and a half versus 58 last year. I know that they're going to try to run it with Zeke, with Tony Pollard. Maybe they get a couple explosives, but at some point, it's just not going to happen. And at some point, Kellen Moore is going to be like, Dude, we got to do this. We got to throw it to Dalton Schultz, CeeDee Lamb, Noah Brown, whoever else, Jalen Tolbert. 36 and a half higher. You want something Locked. spicy? I think I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to move Dalton Schultz above uh, Darren Waller this week. Yeah, I mean, look, even on those delayed, keep him in to, for the extra protection, allow him to release tight end screens. I think we can see that more and more and more as we go along. And by the way, if you never played Pick'em again, the best time to do it is this week since it's week one. There's no foundation for a lot of these projections. Uh, and if you get ahead of, you know, guessing how all these changes are going to happen, the best way to do that, there's a link down below. Use promo code the show. We'll match your first deposit up to $100. And any prediction of how Tony Pollard's usage might be different this year versus previous years? Or do you think it is? Um, I think I'll probably play like a couple more s- snaps into the slot, uh, especially this week without Michael Gallup. Um, but I don't think it's going to make that much of a difference. I think he's a flex play. And last year, I wouldn't even recommend him as a flex play. Everybody else would. Everyone's got this obsession of jamming Tony Pollard into your flex, man. I don't get that. I think that you can get away with it this year. But I still have Zeke uh, ranked higher. He has some cr- pretty crazy uh, splits uh, before and after that PCL injury. I don't think this is the week uh, to take advantage of them. But I have... Tony Pollard somewhere in the 20s, 30s. Okay, here we go. Last game of the week. Finally, we made it. Monday night football, Broncos, Seahawks, Russell Wilson on the road going back home. Six and a half point favorites. The Broncos are total of 44 here. New staff, new quarterback equals total unknown of what we're getting with the Broncos offense. It's also the defensive coordinator's first time calling plays. We'll get to that in a moment. Lots of new coaches. So, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Russell Wilson. What's the expectation? Well, I think that this is not the greatest matchup for Russell Wilson. I was pretty surprised to see this, but no defense last year played more snaps with cover two, cover four, or cover six, and no quarterback had a lower success rate than Russell Wilson against those exact coverages. Obviously, this coaching staff knows what uh, Russell Wilson doesn't like, so I can see this kind of being a sloppy game here. If I had... Uh, more cojones. I would have picked the Seahawks as my uh, uh, dog oh, of the you week can't here. Do that. You um, can't do that. It's not the greatest matchup for for Russell Wilson. I, I will say that I, I have him as the quarterback 12 this week. Vegas is more optimistic there, but I do think that this could be more of a running back focused game plan here. Um, a lot of the, the deep stuff down the, down the field. I think there's some better matchups to take advantage of that. I still have Corlin Sutton as like my wide receiver 20, um, but I'm very curious to see this Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon split. I was a big, big fan of Melvin Gordon. I'm very curious to see if that's 55, 45, if yeah, what's your expectation? 40. Benjamin Albright said that it's going to be 55, 45. That would like be pretty a, good for Melvin Gordon. Series one, series two, series yeah. three, series yeah. four, ping pong it. Ba- basically, where Melvin Gordon got the first uh, drive, and then Javante, I think those could be, just be flipped here. Um, we'll see. Yeah, we will see. Seahawks defensively, at least in the cornerback group, I think they're starting Tariq Woolen, who's a long, athletic fifth rounder. I think Kobe Bryant also might be starting as their slot corner, their nickelback as well. 
Uh, Jamal Adams basically playing a linebacker role uh, near the line of scrimmage. They also drafted Jordan Brooks, and then they brought on Uchenna Iwosu. Their front seven's kind of kind of loaded. Yeah, they're they're, they're pretty deep back there or uh, it, up front. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, Russ. The big thing with me has just been. I don't know if his game is going to age as nicely as it could if he played a different I style. Agree. And then the middle of the field is just a total blind spot for him. But like, we're going to get a moonshot to Cortland Sutton. It's just going to happen. And I just want to see if like Jerry Judy is legitimately a good player, you know, yeah. like he's brought him under his wing. Charles Robinson told us about that. And maybe Jerry Judy goes out there and gets 10 targets this week. Hayden, maybe he gets four targets this week. Either outcome. I would not be, would not be surprised yeah. by. Okay. Boom bus wide receiver three. And Albert O was an intriguing name. I know he was on your list as like the yeah. 11th or 12th or 13th tight end. He's played deep into preseason games. I think Coach Speak came out and said it's because he didn't have a lot of blocking experience during his time at Missouri. He's all athlete. They also don't have Greg Dulcich. He's on IR. So, like, if Albert O isn't a full-time starting tight end out there in all personnel groupings, radar. Yeah. I, I think I'm going to move him up. He did rest with the starters in the preseason week three, so I, I feel a little more confident. I'm searching for somebody, and it might be Albert O. might be, like, the tight end two streamer of the week. Okay, let's close it out with the Seahawks offense. Uh, we know that DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are individually talented enough to be fantasy relevant on a weekly basis, but connected to Geno Smith, where do they stack up in your rankings? I have Metcalf as the wide receiver 25. That's a little bit higher than most people uh, think. There's no metric. There's nothing about the tape. My only argument, it's DK Metcalf. Like That's all I got for you guys. Uh, uh, we'll see if I'm wrong. No, I... I'm with you, man. Like he's not just a moonshot wide receiver. Like we're going to see more conventional routes. I think we're going to see Gino not play like he did at West Virginia and do like pop passes and things. We get the ball out a bit quicker. You know, they now have two tackles who seem legitimately good that are rookies and Charles Cross and Abe Lucas, the list, by the way, Abe Lucas. So now like pass pro can be there from the edge pass rushers, which we know the Broncos have. Um, but if we see short intermediate pounds for DK and let them rumble afterwards, we get that for Tyler Lockett too. Lockett might be one of those players that we look back on. Like we said with Eli Mitchell to start this, we like, why, why was he available so late? Just because we counted it twice against him that Russell Wilson was no longer his quarterback. Yeah. I'm as my wide receiver 41. So yeah. I wouldn't start Lockett, but I think DK Metcalf just too good to bench. Just quickly. Kenneth Walker. It's still up in the air. A little I practice time. Playing. I don't think he's going to play in week one. Rashad Penny, final six games, is only six starts as a pro. We're absolutely outstanding to end last year. This is a pretty difficult Broncos team, despite it being a first-year play caller on that side of the ball for him to uh, for him to start off with. Yeah, he's right in the middle of that running back two stink. I have him as like the running back 23 right now. All right, we did it. Hour 45, perfect timing. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being here. I know it's a lot of in-depth stuff. Each week, it'll probably get a little bit shorter as we learn more information. Thank you for sticking with us. If you're still here and you're not subscribed, what the hell are you doing? Hit it. Smash it. We want you to win your fantasy football league. That was a podcast high. 600 live comments in the chat today. Wow. Love that. Absolutely love that. And in the comments down below, you all always answer each other's start sick questions and stuff. That is so cool to see. It's cool to see this community. But also, we'll be back here on Sunday morning, once again, starting at 10 a.m., for two shows along with a third on our Sunday recap show. So as soon as that four o'clock window around seven 30 ends in your mind, say to yourself, Hey, I know the underdog football show with John Daigle also is going live. Let me hop onto YouTube and leave a voicemail for Sunday morning. All right. 
for Hayden, I'm Josh. Chat, we appreciate you. Will, Don, Pokin, Sean, One Rock, Corey, Dan, Boom. Up the villa. We will talk to you all soon.